Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well. Because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is your health. I'm your host, Dr. Kiri Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments, so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. Just a quick bit of housekeeping before I introduce today's special guest. I'm happy to announce that I'm now working on my next book. The title will be Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again for Men. I've discovered 14 root causes of fatigue. I like to call them the fatigue factors. And in this book, I'll explain eight of the 14 and how they specifically relate to men. And of course, I'll include my own personal fatigue story, along with four or five other stories from real fatigue cases from my private practice. This book should be ready later this year, so keep an eye out for it. That's it for our housekeeping, so let's get started. I'm very excited about this week's show because my special guest is Jonathan Baylor. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Jonathan is an internationally recognized wellness expert who specializes in using modern science and technology to simplify health. He's collaborated with top scientists for more than 10 years to analyze and apply over 1,300 studies. His work has been endorsed by top doctors and scientists from Harvard Medical School, Johns Hopkins, the Mayo Clinic, the Cleveland Clinic, and UCLA. Jonathan is a founder of SaneSolution.com and has authored the best-selling book, The Calorie Myth. Jonathan, thank you so much for being my special guest today on this episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. My pleasure. A special guest, so that I like to hear that. <laughs> all my guests are special. <laughs> Just like a parent would say, all their children are special. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so... So let's just dive in because one of the things that you have said is uh, you've posed this question of what if everything we were taught about eating and exercise and weight loss and health was proven wrong? That's a pretty bold statement, Jonathan. So what do you mean by that? And can you explain to our listeners um, some of the science behind uh, your discoveries? The first thing you'd probably see if, in fact, that outrageous statement was true. So if everything that we were taught about eating and exercise was wrong, uh, what you'd expect to see just from a common sense perspective is that the harder we've tried, the more calorie counting we've done, the more gym memberships we've bought, the more supplements we've taken, the fatter and sicker we should have become. And interestingly enough, that's what's happened, right? No, there were no gyms for all intents and purposes 100 years ago, and no one knew what a calorie was, and people just ate and moved, and we had radically lower incidences of obesity and disease. So one might imagine that a lot of what we've been taught about how to keep our wellness in check and how to stay healthy is uh, at best wrong and at worst actually counterproductive and contributing to the problem itself. 
And that's what we discovered uh, over 10 years of research with top doctors and researchers, the Harvard Medical School and Johns Hopkins and UCLA. And when I say doctors and researchers, it's really important. So these aren't cardiologists, no offense to cardiologists, but if you're a cardiologist, you, you don't necessarily study nutrition. That's not what you study. And um, just because you're a, a plastic surgeon, for example, doesn't mean that you know anything about nutrition <laughs> and that right, you can right. become a doctor without taking a single class in nutrition, in fact. But when you actually look at research in fields around gastroenterology or how your, your gut bacteria influence your weight and your health, and when you look at neurobiology and you talk with neurobiologists, people who study the brain, and when you look at endocrinology and researchers who study that, you get a much different picture of the optimal way to eat and exercise than you do if you talk to people who are, let's say, educated in just the traditional USDA-formulated uh, nutrition and exercise programs. Which is basically eat less, eat less calories, but exercise more. Yes, right? which is analogous to telling someone who is depressed, just frown less and smile more. Like it's... <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that analogy. Yeah. Like, hey, alcoholic, (laughs) if you would just drink less, you wouldn't be an alcoholic. Yeah, I understand that. That's really not what I'm asking. So, yeah, that's that's not really helpful advice. Okay, so then, Jonathan, does the science say that we should be eating more and exercising less? What the science says is we absolutely need to heal our bodies to like if you're in a state of disease, this is going to sound really obvious, but that's because it is. If you're in a state of disease and if your body is broken, you need to heal it, right? So to heal something, you need to provide it with an abundance of material that that can be used to uh, therape- therapeutically repair that system. So when I say eat more and exercise less, that is literally true. It's not a marketing gimmick, but it doesn't mean eat more of the same disease-causing non-food that caused the problem. It means eat more of the nutrient-dense whole foods that provide you with the essential nutrition that is required, or what I call nutritional therapy, to heal your body. If your body is on fire, you have to put it out. And the way you're going to put it out is not by starving it, it's by flooding it with an abundance of healing nutrition. And the same thing with exercise. Exercise is not a brute force, more is better arena just like medication isn't just oh just take more penicillin the more penicillin you take the better it is for you that's not true there's an appropriate dose for an appropriate condition and with exercise we've just been told do more of it whereas in reality we should be told to do a very deliberate amount of a very deliberate form of exercise so what i hear you saying is that eating healthy is definitely important getting the right amount of exercise is definitely important but it it also has to do with getting the chemistry of your body back in tune. That's exactly right. And potentially uh, as important as that, this term eating healthy, the problem is that that means 10 different things to 10 different people. Yeah. What does it mean to you, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and again, this is going to sound really obvious, but sometimes, I mean, this, this arena has become so convoluted. It, it's healthy cannot be hard. If healthy was hard, we would have died off as a species a long time ago, right? If, 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 if horses, if deer in nature can avoid obesity and diabetes, like so can we, it doesn't require calorie counting. It doesn't require a PhD in nutrition. It can't, if it was that hard, homo sapiens would have died out a long time ago, right? So here's what healthy means to me. Healthy means to me two things. One from a common sense perspective. Uh, how did people eat 
prior to the obesity and diabetes epidemics? And like, how do cultures eat that don't have obesity and diabetes epidemics? Because we can argue all we want, but if it's like, oh, look, 3% of the population or fewer were obese when people ate things found in nature, it's kind of hard to argue that that doesn't work because it's been proven over thousands and thousands of years. And then from a less common sense and more scientific perspective, while we're still in the infancy of understanding human nutrition, there are some things we know for sure. We know there are certain things that are essential to human health. So we hear things about essential amino acids and essential vitamins and essential minerals and essential fatty acids. These are things, they're called essential because if you don't eat them, you die. Mm -hmm. That's what they mean, right? You don't eat enough uh, amino acids, you die. You don't eat enough vitamin B12, your brain erodes. That's a problem. So, so if we say, okay, what foods provide us with that which is essential for human thriving in the highest doses and which provide us the least of what is non-essential or toxic? Well, why don't we eat those foods? It's, you, you know, and it, that those may or may not have a lot of calories. They may have few calories. But instead of arguing like plant versus animal and high calorie versus low calorie, how about high nutrition high essential nutrition, which is unarguable, it's non-debatable, uh, versus low nutrition. So going back to what our ancestors ate, so that's kind of like the idea of if, you're, if your grandmother or your grandparents didn't eat it, then you shouldn't be eating it, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, it's less about sort of cavemen, and not that there's anything wrong with eating how a caveman ate, but it's more about, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not really a diet. It's not paleo. Mm -hmm. It's common sense. It's just like, look, how did we eat before we had an obesity? It's like you go to the doctor, you say, doctor, my arm hurts when I do this with it. And your doctor says, well, stop doing that with it, right? <laughs> so how did we eat prior to having an obesity epidemic? Well, let's try that again, right? <laughs> it kind of makes sense. Okay, so um, I want you to explain to our listeners um, the three most common uh, devastating diet myths that you have found and why they're a myth uh, and and the science and the research behind those ideas uh, and proving them that they're myths. The first is that calorie counting, conscious calorie counting, <clears throat> excuse me, is required to lose weight. So this is false for many reasons. Uh, the most obvious of which is that nobody knew what a calorie was, let alone count them until I believe it was 1825 uh, when it was first introduced to measure things unrelated to human health. But even like back in the 1950s, no one in the mainstream knew what a calorie was. And we had radically lower rates of obesity. So anyone who tells you that you need to count calories to lose weight, I ask them how anyone avoided obesity prior to us knowing what a calorie was. So uh -huh. clearly calorie counting can't be required. The reason it can't be required uh, in addition to the fact that, for example, every other animal on the planet can't count calories, like your cat cannot count calories, but somehow it doesn't become morbidly obese if you don't feed it the same foods that make people morbidly obese. How does that work? Okay, here's how that works. Uh, your body is designed to balance you out automatically. We all learned about this in high school biology class. It's called homeostasis, right? So if you drink more water, you don't have to think about going to the bathroom more. You just do, right? More water in means more water out. If you don't sleep a lot one night, you're going to be more tired the next day because your body's trying to achieve balance. Uh, even flowers do this, right? If it's shady over here and sunny over here, you'll notice that the, sh the flower turns mm -hmm. to sort of get more sun yeah okay so if you eat a lot of calories one day from whole real foods that don't break your brain there's a part of your brain and also your hormones and your gut play a role in this that will say hey i ate a thousand calories for breakfast 
I don't need to eat as many calories for lunch. I'm full. I'm satisfied. So more calories in early in the day, for example, would just mean fewer calories in later in the day. Your body would balance energy just like it balances blood pressure and blood sugar and your breaths and your water intake and like vitamin C, for example. Have you ever noticed that you don't count milligrams of vitamin C in and milligrams of vitamin C out, but somehow not all of us get uh, rickets or scurvy, whichever is the disease. Scurvy, yes. Scurvy, there you go. (laughs) We don't all end up having scurvy. So it's not that calories don't exist. It's not that calories don't count. They exist and they do count. But it's that you don't need to count them because if you eat the right foods, your brain will count them for you. And that is a much easier and more sustainable way to live. So that's the first myth. Oh, right. Okay. Myth number two. Lay it on us. Is that a calorie isn't a calorie. So another problem with the whole you need to count calories mythology is that it makes it seem like well, if you just eat under 1,200 calories, you're healthy because calories are all that matter, and as long as you count them and keep them down, you'll be healthy, right? Well, that's wrong. Uh, Technically, you could eat uh, three pounds of cocaine, and you would have consumed no calories, but it's not good for your health, right? So (laughs) clearly, calories are not the be-all, end-all of what you should put into your body or not, and calories are not all the same in terms of what they do to your body or the nutrition that comes along with them. So what a calorie does in your body and the nutrition it brings into your body is very, 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 very different. So the old myth of myth number one, right, you need to count calories. Myth number two is that a calorie is a calorie, which means if you just count calories, you'll be fine. That's false. So calories vary in how much they fill you up. They vary in the hormonal response they trigger. They vary in the essential nutrition they provide you, and they also vary in terms of just how they're used in your body. A a calorie of protein, for example, is a structural component. Your body cannot fuel itself with protein, right? Like when you put oil in your car, when you get your oil changed, Mm -hmm. no amount of oil you put into your car will fuel your car. That's gasoline. They're they're different things. They do different things. So uh, protein, for example, is used very differently in your body than fat or sugar is. So Those are the four differences between a calorie. So calorie is absolutely not a calorie when it comes to how it works in your body. Okay. And then, Jonathan, what is myth number three? Myth number three is that uh, calories are all that matter. So I've alluded to this already, but according to conventional Weight Watchers type dieting, right, look, if you eat 1,200 calories per day, you'll lose weight. And if you watch the news every five years, you'll see a story where some college professor will eat nothing but McDonald's but keep their calorie count down, lose weight, and say, look, clearly calories are all that matter because if you starve yourself, you'll lose weight. And uh, no one's debating that. No one's debating that if you starve yourself, you'll lose weight, just like no one's debating that if you cut off your right leg, you'll lose weight. I think what we're debating is what is healthy and enjoyable long-term because we've all lost weight. The issue is keeping weight off, right? That, that's the problem. We've all, 100% of people who've tried to lose weight have been successful, but over 19 out of 20 of us have failed to keep the weight off long term because starvation isn't sustainable. So calories are not all that matter at all. Uh, what really matters more is what those calories do and what your environment and your lifestyle does to three things. Your hormonal makeup in your body, your digestive system or your gut microbiome, and also your brain. If your brain is inflamed, for example, and cannot tell you appropriately when you're full, you're, you're done, right? I mean, it's, if, if your brain is telling you you're hungry ravenously, 
when you've eaten sufficient calories, good luck being healthy and enjoying your life. Like, it's not going to happen. We need to address that underlying uh, inflammation in the brain first. So calories are not all that matter. Your gut, your hormones, and your brain matter immensely. You know, Jonathan, this sounds a lot like functional medicine. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> that it's about, um, well, what you eat is important and getting the right exercise is important for sure. Um, but then also making sure that we get the hormones in balance and the gut health in check and the brain in balance. That that if we can get that chemistry, so this is how I explain it to the patients because there's a lot of patients that come in that want to lose weight and they're struggling and they're, you know, quote, I'm doing everything right. And and typically what they mean by that is they're eating less and less calories, but they're exercising more and more. So that's like, there's definitely a ton of people that still have that mindset. Well, I'll just eat less and less and less and exercise more and more and more. And of course, that doesn't work. You know that. And I know that. Um, but I explained to them, look, we need to get the chemistry of your body into balance, along with having you eat healthy and exercise appropriately. And then once your body gets more healthy, then the weight is going to start coming off. Absolutely. It will come off automatically. And it may seem too good to be true, but here's a, we have an incorrect model of our body. We think of our body like it's, it's stupid and mechanical and our body isn't. It's actually brilliant and beautiful and biological. It's not stupid and mechanical. So for example, think of a, another uh, condition of the body. So imagine you have a fever. So you have a, a viral infection and you have a fever. Now it is absolutely true that if you want to reduce your body temperature, you can do that with energy deprivation, right? If you jump in an ice bath and you mm -hmm. sit in it, your fever will go down. But uh, none of us would debate that that's, well, that's not really effective, right? You're not going to take your toddler who has a fever and say, hey, you know, Jimmy, just go sit in this ice bath for 20 minutes and your, your fever will go down. Well, why? Because we know that it's not actually fixing the underlying cause, right? So now if you go, if, the, if your body is able to fight off the virus, if you have a powerful immune system and your body heals itself, which again isn't woo-woo, that's the only way the body ever heals is, right, if you break a bone, it's not some stork comes in and heals your bone, your body heals the bone itself. That's what happens. If your body's going to heal, the only way that can happen is if the body heals itself. And once the body does heal itself, your fever automatically goes down because the body's not in a disease state anymore. So when you're inflamed, when you have a elevated set point, what we talk about in the book, The Calorie Myth and on SaneSolution.com, your body is essentially, you have a fever, you have a metabolic fever, and your sort of weight set point is elevated much like you, you, your, your body temperature could be elevated when you're sick in other ways. And when you heal that underlying illness, it goes down, just like your fever goes down. And it's not you know, magic. It's, that's how your body works. Your body doesn't want a broken bone. It doesn't want a fever. It doesn't want cancer. And it doesn't want to be overweight. So if it can, if it's physically able, it will defend health automatically. It wants to live. It doesn't want to die. That's the basic point of your body. So one of the things that you said earlier, you, you said 19 out of 20 people fail at keeping their weight off, right? Yes. And to be more geeky, it's actually higher than that. It's 95.4%. So it's actually a little, it's like 19.2 out of every 20 people, but I've never met a, if we could a cut somebody end up pieces, <laughs> right? Okay. Okay. I, Oh my gosh, there's so much I want to ask you, Jonathan, but we have like two minutes left of our interview. Okay, so can you give our listeners three simple steps that they can start now uh, to help get them on the road to, you know, weight loss to help drop those extra pounds 
um, immediately, but also more permanently. You have to first shift from a starvation mindset. So if you take nothing else away from this interview, please take away that starvation isn't healthy. And again, that's going to sound obvious, but it's the single most common way people try to quote unquote lose weight is they're just going to skip meals, mm-hmm. right? They're just going to say, yeah. well, just eat less. Uh, that cannot work. Starvation cannot heal your body. If you are sick, just starving yourself does not make you better. Mm-hmm. And that's what ha- obesity is an illness, just like diabetes is an illness. Starvation cannot work. So please shift your mind away from starving yourself. That's, that's not a good thing to do. Then what you should replace that with, if at all possible, is this idea of, of eating an abundance of healthy food or sane food, as we call it, uh, rather than starving yourself. And the easiest way to do that, because there's, there's obviously we can take that many levels deep, uh-huh. but the single most important thing is to increase your intake of non-starchy vegetables. So everyone wants to talk about fat, protein, and everything, and it's fun, and I like talking about those things too, but every single person on the planet hopefully agrees that eating, for example, more green leafy vegetables is good for you. And if you ask even healthy people, people, <laughs> how many servings of green leafy vegetables do you eat on average per day or did you eat on average per week? You're probably going to get like one, two or zero. Uh-huh. I would love for you to focus on almost nothing else nutritionally until you're eating double digit servings of non-starchy vegetables per day. Because just doing that will transform your health. Double digits, are you talking about 10 servings? I'm talking 10 servings. I'm talking every time you eat food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and potentially for a snack, you've got three servings or more of non-starchy vegetables going into your body. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) All right. Oh, and I think I need a third one. Yeah, yeah. would be uh, uh, trade exercise for sleep. So what most people do- I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Like, let's wake up at (laughs) four o'clock in the morning and jog. Uh, No. No. Sleep more. uh, uh, you know, exercise isn't bad for you. The wrong kind of exercise is bad for you, just like the wrong kind of food is bad for you. But sleep is therapeutic. Sleep is when your body heals, right? When you have a cold, when you have a flu, what does your doctor tell you to do? Rest. If you're obese, if you're overweight, if you're diabetic, you are you have a metabolic fever and you've got to rest. So you've got to get that nutritional therapy in first. That's the non-starchy vegetables. Then you have to rest. You have to sleep more. Let your body heal. Jonathan, I wish we could just keep going on and on and on with this interview, but I know you got stuff to do today. Jonathan, how can our listeners find out more about you? Where can they find the SANE program? Where they can where can they find your book? Carrie, I appreciate the time today. Yeah, there's we're just at the tip of the iceberg here because really everything. I know, yeah. Eating and exercise <laughs> has been flipped on its head. So if you like what you hear today, you can uh, check out SaneSolution.com. So it's just S A N E solution.com so sane solution.com and we've got an amazing amount of free resources that people can check out they can learn more about the new york times best-selling book the calorie myth that spawned some of the information there but really just start at sane solution.com and every that'll that'll take you where you need to go so for our listeners that are um, driving right now i'll put uh, those links in the podcast notes for you Jonathan, thank you so much for being my extra special guest today. (laughs) This has been an awesome interview. Oh, my pleasure, Carrie. Well, thank you so much. (laughs) All right. That wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Jonathan Baylor. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. 
You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carrie.